Welcome to the inner world of filmmaking. I'm your host, Tammy McGarrow. I'm a writer, director, editor, and a podcast producer. In this show, I will interview filmmakers in all facets of production and distribution. On today's episode, we're discussing getting your film ready to pitch, everything you need to know. I have the fabulous Shanika Denise Moore, who is the founder and executive producer of Sista Soul Productions. She has produced music videos, short films, and is now focused on features. Her expertise lies in the deep dive into development of scripts, film packaging, and assisting filmmakers with getting their projects ready for the pitch. She is originally from Chicago, but now resides in Southern California. Welcome, Nika. So happy to have you on the show today. Ah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you for sure. Yeah. So let's start off with the Windy City of Chicago. Uh, how did your filmmaking career start? That's so funny. Okay. So to be a hundred, so I'm born in Chicago and then my dad's a Marine. So we moved to Southern California, which, you know, spent high school all through there, but I went to college in Chicago and actually stayed there for like 10 years. So I went back to Chicago. My filmmaking career started from originally theater productions. Um, I auditioned for some things because I'm a singer and doing all that stuff. I don't sing like I don't want to have a singing career, but <laughs> I do know how to sing. But um, I did um, audition for some theaters, took some acting classes. But what I fell in love with was stage management and just all the ins and outs of, you know, having the project in your hands and bringing it to life. And I love photography. So putting those two things together, I was like, let's do some little film projects and stuff like that with your friends and take your little, you know, T3I out and <laughs> just do some videos. And I decided to go to film school. And so when I went to film school and just the aspects of production and everything like that, I just fell in love with it. So it was one of the favorite things I ever did. And it's just been that from the beginning. I thought I wanted to be a director and a writer originally going in, but producing is where my heart like just went for it. And I was like, I love the planning. I love the paperwork. I love, you know, knowing the full entire scope of the project from concept to finish. And so it stuck. My first project was actually as a PA on a music video called um <laughs> hotter than a mother <laughs> i won't finish that and then um, but it was with next to ken featuring twista and it was at twista studio and it was so fabulous and you know i just got to run around small set skeleton crew and do probably more than was asked but then the next day i was you know first ading and working with the camera team on the second day uh just excelling constantly constantly and then i got the opportunity to script supervise had no idea what I was doing and just kind of, you know, self-taught myself how to, you know, script supervise, did an amazing job. And then with that particular director, who is David Bradburn, he uh, promoted me to his first AD. And first ADing really taught me how to run a set and do all that. And so producing just kind of stuck. And that's where it just took me. I did some music videos and things like that there. Got an opportunity to work as an operations manager with film festivals just because of the way that I like to plan and be involved. So Chicago is really good to me in my filmmaking career. And I would love to go back. It's a little cold, but, you know, we'll go out there and shoot a film sooner or later. Well, on that note, you worked as the operation manager for Asian Pop-Up Cinema in Chicago. Is that where you learned more about packaging your film and promoting to film festivals? 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing the ins and outs and what took me from that, not even operations managing, because that's mostly just on the ground, making sure the film festival is running. But when I moved to California, I was still working for um, Sophia Wong Baccio, who is the owner and creative director, executive director of Asian pop-up cinema. She uh, wanted me to do virtual coordination. And so working with international distributors, looking at their EPKs, you know, seeing how the whole distribution aspect of it works through film festivals and what those packages look like coming in really taught me a lot about how to fully package your film, what elements you need to have, what you're looking for for film festivals, you know, how you're choosing your films, genre, con- like concept themes, all of that really cool stuff. So that has taught me so much in the aspect of film festival itself. It's very uh, curated. Uh, this particular film festival, but working with other film festivals just to see what they're doing as well and being side by side with them at the same time. We're moving out. They're moving in. Really cool stuff. Oh, that's great. And for people who don't know what EPK means, what does that mean? Oh, electronic press kit. Okay, great. What should filmmakers be thinking before they shoot for packaging their film once it's done? And I think this is a big one where I think a lot of filmmakers go in, they're all excited about their script and their film, they shoot it, but they're not thinking for distribution and they're not thinking for where is it going to go next? Is there any tips you can give filmmakers about before you shoot? (laughs) Maybe think about these things. Um, absolutely. I mean, and that's something that we're working with now in our films. Uh, we have a couple of things in development now is the first thing is who's going to watch it. Where is it going? Who is your audience? Like, who are you tailoring this film to? I know we all want everybody to see it. That's just, you know, everybody has to see it. Right. But when you're thinking about your particular film, say it's a horror film, we have like a drama thriller coming up. Who was our audience? You know, it's predominantly black cast. Who's going to watch it? I think about my mom and dad as my primary audience because they watch like so much stuff. And so and their their taste for films and stuff is really interesting. And so I think about who's going to be the audience. Also, too, who's going to want to pick this up? Where can you see this film playing? What networks do you want it to stream? Is it something that has the potential to, you know, have theater play? Who are going to be your actors attached? I think packaging itself is something that takes some time and planning and you really want to be strategic about it. So I think get a good strategy together and really work with your collaborators to see what are the elements that you truly need? Are you, you know, packaging big actors? Are you wanting to attach, you know, more well-known production companies or producers? How do you get in touch with those people? And I think that's one of the missing elements is, you know, getting in touch with people. When do you pull the trigger? When do you not pull the trigger? Right. Target audience is crucial when you're thinking about your audience. I was just curious, what tips can you give people to figure that out? Because, you know, as most would say, it's for everybody. It's not for everybody. So how can they narrow it down? What are some questions they could ask themselves to get, get that down to an age range, demographics and all that? Um, so (laughs) that's a lot of research for me. I'm very meticulous. So, you know, to each their own, but you definitely have to do your research. Um, if you're wanting to just focus on domestic, you know, U S markets, think about who's watching what, and there's statistics that you can find. You want to be more relevant to your year right now. We're going into 2023. We're not going to take a demographic from 20, from 20, 2007. Right. 
and use those demographics. We'll use like 2019, we're pre-pandemic, but now we're in the actual pandemic. Like, where are we playing this? Is it more females watching this? Is it more males watching this? And there's that information that you can find. Um, Like I found a statistic that films with diversity of at least 11% do well in the box office or even on streaming, as long as there's some aspect of diversity. Mm -hmm. That's a statistic that I found. And it's just definitely about doing your research, you know, see what's out there. I think social media is a good tool that you can use to see what people are talking about, what they're excited about, things like that. Are you looking at more women excited about a film? Say the woman King hashtag the woman King who's talking about it. Mm -hmm. Is it male? Is it female? Is it non-binary? Those types of things like that. Um, What's the age group? What's the age range? You know, my mom's generation, they all went to go see Woman King open opening weekend. Mm -hmm. Very interesting demographic. And um, I think just really paying attention. I always read like I read Deadline. I read Variety. I read all these things, all these news at the wrap and just try to see what's out there. And it's all about research. That's where you can find your numbers for your target audience. You want to do a horror film? Who watches horror? Right. What is exude now when you're doing international markets, that's a whole nother demographic, completely different, but the research is still the same. And you can look at places like, um, like the BBC and all these different things that have those numbers in there that you can take a look at. That's great. What about like pitch decks? When do we need a pitch deck? And do we? As soon as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Pitch decks are crucial. A pitch deck is awesome. Like if you're going to put a director attached, like if your director's attached, your director's going to create a pitch deck for you per their vision. I have the opportunity to work with director Michael Von Hernandez, who does beautiful pitch decks, you know, very towards his vision, what he wants to see. And then we kind of just producer and director work it together to make sure all the elements are in place and things change. So you have to be ready to make those changes and make those updates to seal up your pitch deck. I think as soon as you know what your film is, like you can start from the beginning, the same way you do a preliminary budget, do a preliminary pitch deck. If you're, if you don't have a director attached and you're just simply a producer, in this case, put together what you think the vision should be for this project. Do, you know, take some screen grabs from, you know, films that look similar to the look and style that you're going for, you know, to the shot types, you know what I mean? Like there's all these things you can put into your pitch deck, but you want to be very forward with the information. Mm -hmm. What is the synopsis? What is the log line? What is, you know, if you have any demographics, that's helpful. More so for distribution than talent. We have two usually, one for talent that we can send out, one for distributors and producers. You want to see one that's more business oriented and one that's just more overly visual. That's for performance. A pitch deck really is done by the director. If you have a director, otherwise the producer could take it on until you get a director and then the director would take over the vision. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I think the pitch deck should definitely be done by the director because that's that's the creative body that does the overall visual of the film. You know, it's their vision. You want them to create the pitch deck. But mm-hmm. yeah. If you don't have a director attached and you're shopping for directors and you have an idea, you know, put a document together, but have a page that has a look Mm -hmm. of some sorts, you know, give it to the director. The director will give you feedback. Well, I more so see it like this. 
you know, hear each other out. And that's where you collaborate for your director to then make the official pitch deck. But you always want to have a preliminary up front to give a notion of what the film is or what you're hoping it should be as a producer. So with the pitch deck, is this predominantly for funding or really for the distribution? I mean, there's I think a, a couple different ways you can use the pitch deck. One is, like you said, to get actors involved so that they see visually what this project is, to get producers and funding for the film, but also maybe even in the distribution. Because now, right um, after the film, does it get another tier of uh, updates with maybe visuals actually from the film once the film has been done? That's when we start tinkering into the EPK. Okay. The electronic press kit starts getting done. And that's when you start uh, sending those over to distributors because they want to have the director's vision, stills from the film, you know, overall, you know, a little bit of background information about, you know, what the process was. And that's all in your electronic press kit, which then goes to distributors. More so for a pitch deck, that's all preliminary to get the word out about your film, possibly get funding, possibly get distributors aboard with pre-sales as opposed to like a finished film. A finished film should have an electronic press kit. Yeah. Period. Okay. A pitch deck. That's all preliminary things that we want to, you know, have happen to get the film from point A to point B. I like that. Um, And then how do you help filmmakers get their projects ready for pitch? Oh, yay. (laughs) That's my favorite Uh part. So receiving the script is the first thing. Reading the script, falling in love with the script for me. Like, okay, I fall in love with the script. I'm like, oh my God, I love this film. Super cool. Let's work on it. Okay. I'm very vocal about, you know, things in the film, notes, things like that. We want to see. And it's all about the integrity of the film. Somebody brings me a film that they wrote. I feel... As the producer, I do a really good job at seeing what the want is and what the intention is of the film. If I don't understand, I don't understand it. It is what it is. You know, I just don't move forward. But if, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something where I'm like, okay, this has really good potential. I have some questions. Let's workshop it. I like to see that writers are flexible and collaborative, but I also don't want to overly change the original idea because I love as an independent filmmaker, I love the integrity overall of the projects that I work on. And so that's the first thing is the script development. And that's something that we can go over with, you know, throughout the script is going to change all the way through shooting regardless. And so I help with that a lot. And then I also help to get an idea of what are going to be the next steps for this film. We got to put together a budget. Budget has to happen. Preliminary budget. And that's going to change for real, for real. That's going to change. We go from here to here, back to the middle, back down, back up. And it's like, it starts to fluctuate. What is, what can we do at the least amount of cost without diminishing quality? What's our dream budget? What's a budget that we're, you know, comfortable with that we may have to pull some favors. So we have like three different budgets for every project. Mm -hmm. Um, So we put that together. We put together a wish list of talent, go through it collaboratively with the director, you know, see what's doing what we put together a list of, you know, who do we reach out to first? If it's a pass or it's a no, or we don't hear back, who do we reach out to next? And we filter and move things around those puzzle pieces. And then we seal things up. Now, when you're actually packaging and you get some letters of intention, then we seal up some letters of interest with management teams 
we're agents and see if we can get those people attached to the film so we can go ahead and shop it around to different producers and say this is who we have attached. Having attached talent is key. Yes. I think it's one of the most important things that we work on um, in development and in pitching and getting our pitch deck together is finding those key talents. Once we have those key talents, it might not even be the very, you know, star of the film, but we start putting the pieces together. And once we have that, we're in really good shape, you know, getting like a key cinematographer on board or somebody who has a visual reputation that, you know, somebody might want to shoot with them or be shot by them. Those types of things. It's all about putting the elements in order for attachment to get the pitch deck ready. You know, I think that's pretty much it. Sealing that up, getting a strong pitch deck, and then we move it forward towards, you know, reaching out. Then we have something tangible to give out. It also puts us in a good position to show people like, hey, we want to shoot a concept trailer. Here's our pitch deck, but we need this concept trailer and we need help funding the concept trailer. The pitch deck can help with that, too. And on that note with the concept trailer, what do you think about people using already shot films and cutting that together as the feel of their film versus maybe taking a part of the script or rewriting a reel of the script, like a you know trailer of the, the script and shooting that? What are you pros and cons or what are your thoughts on that? Pros is, you know... It gives people more of an idea of the potential of it. If you have already like shot material and you can cut it, it's the way it's cut. First of all, that's the main thing. If it's not cut in a way that it's like, okay, well, are we going to be watching Moneyball as opposed to this? You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you want to really be careful with that because you don't want to use too many clips from one film. Then it looks like you're just trying to make that film. Yeah. You know? And so I think it's best to take a piece of the script or write some sort of a teaser and just shoot it out yourself. Right. You know, I think, you know, of course, that that does need a budget unless everybody just wants to call in a favor and everybody believes in the project and we want to do it together. Yeah. You know, but living in these times, that's a little bit harder now. You know what I mean? To get those favors like it used to be. But I think that is the best thing to do for your film. And it also holds the integrity and it gives you a stronger for me. I think it gives you a stronger chance of getting your film funded and seen as this film that's going to come to life because you're shooting something of your style with your words, with your cast, with your director in place. This is the film we're shooting. This is a little sneak peek of it. You like what you see. We did this as opposed to this is a James Cameron film. <laughs> we're putting this Already in. done. That's James Cameron. Yeah. I'm not James right. Cameron. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's kind of like that. So I definitely recommend if you have the opportunity to shoot a concept trailer, you should definitely do it with your team. It might not be your full team, but at least the key elements. If you have somebody attached, that's a lead. Grab them if you can, if they're not all the way in Canada. And we have to, you know, there's things like that. My uh, One of our leads is in Canada. So that's one of the things we're trying to do is shoot a concept trailer, but we have to get a budget together to bring them down. And stuff like that, because I think it's very important for the film for him to be there. Yeah, do that. Get a concept trailer. Two minutes, three minutes, cut something, one scene, something super impactful or write something, you know, that speaks to the nature of the film. You know, something extra, maybe like a hidden scene, maybe or something like that. Super fun. Have fun with it. If you can't 
you know, do that due to budgeting and stuff like that, then yes, definitely find those, you know, examples of films, cut something cool together, but try not to make it in a way that you're mimicking a film and taking elements of a film and trying to pass it off as your own. Mm -hmm. Be very careful with that. Yeah. So you've written the script or you've given the script to a producer or director. So you're starting to maybe fund, but you're also trying to think of your casting. Like what comes first? You know, like you've got the script, you might have a producer and you need a concept, you know, real, and maybe you don't have all your actors. What do you do? Do you just try to grab some people to mock it together, knowing that these people may or may not continue on? Yeah. I mean, you definitely, you know, be very transparent and let your actors know, Hey, we're doing this concept. You know, we need some talent, find some talent. There's some really good, unbelievable talent everywhere. I worked with a guy at a casino, total comedian, love him. I would like love to just write a role for him because he's so hilariously funny and just really good looking too. And I'm just like, dude, like you should totally (laughs) do film. (laughs) I should. Yeah. But anyway, so there's so much unbelievable talent out there. And what I find with talent is let's get seen. Let's make things happen. Like happy to do it. Can I get a copy of this for my reel? Offer that, you know, especially after the film is done. Why not? So I think you can definitely find talent to shoot your concept without having to have your main talent aboard. Cause that might even be something that you can use to secure talent. Yes. If they can see a a performance pulled from the director, you know, from an actor who's not at the top, if they see that, you know, you could pull an actor that way. Any of the elements that you can use to better represent your film and make your film stronger, you should definitely try to do that. Um, Always be open to ideas and, you know, definitely try to shoot something, whether it be a sizzle. It doesn't even have to have dialogue. You know, as long as it has some sort of visual aspect and you can see some sort of performance there, like that's the most important thing for the concept. And it has to be, you know, to the nature of the film. Yeah. Well, and I even um, I I know of a filmmaker that's going through funding right now for her film and she shot and I'm thinking on an iPhone, probably on a phone, just some cinematic scenes and then cut it together as a teaser. So it doesn't have to be that complicated either. Right. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah, you can definitely be creative. I mean, the stuff that you can do with phones nowadays is like bananas. So that's super fun. Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, take your iPhone, shoot it around. You know, you're shooting in the desert. Go take a trip, you know, do some cinematic, beautiful shots. There's some apps and things you can get that have some really cool things going on with it. Yeah, you could do it like that too, for sure. Yeah. Um, And then what do you think the length try to keep the length of a pitch deck too. Should you keep it to like under 20 pages and, or doesn't really matter? I definitely, no, it definitely does matter. Cause then you're tinkering into like full on proposal writing, which is a little bit more lengthier. So I think a pitch deck more so the sections than pages, you know, you want to have your your cover, of course, you know, your concept cover, um, your film cover, you want to have inside your log line, your synopsis, any key attachments as talent or your wish list talent, who you would like to have attached to it, um, your main creative body. So like your producer, your writer, director, mm-hmm. if you happen to have, you know, 
a well-known name editor or well-known name cinematographer already attached, please throw them on there. Like, why not? You know? Um, But, you know, really want to keep it to like writers, directors, producers, those main, those main key people. Um, If you have any distribution in mind, you know, you can mention it. We're looking to distribute with, you know, companies such as any information like that, a director's note or director's statement is very important. Any kind of, this is where it kind of differs, like distribution, things like that. If you're pitching to a producer, you want to have a page where you talk about your locations and, you know, things like that. Locations, any kind of budget information that you have. And also uh, comparable films. Do you put that? Comparable films. Yes. Comparable films are really important too. If you're looking at a sports film. What other sports films do you see? When it comes to comparable films, though, uh, let me say something about this. You got to think about it. You got to think about, okay, do you want to do visual comparisons? This is like kind of my visual style for comparing. Or are you going to go by the box office numbers of comparison? Super important. Because if you pick a film that didn't make any money right. and you're pitching to distributors, they're going to be like, why are you comparing your film to this film that didn't make any money? Do you think you should get Academy Award winners or nominated films in your comparable films? If you have an Academy Award winning actor attached, sure. <laughs> but you know, you want to you want to definitely be realistic in your in your budgeting and your you know reach for the stars. I would say reach for the stars. Let's do it. Whatever you know. Yeah. But like, you definitely want to keep in mind where your film lies in the midst of every other film. Is Denzel attached? By all means, yeah. <laughs> Compare yeah. it, right? Day, exactly. Know? But you know, you have me attached. <laughs> then, you know, we might want to look at something a little bit on the lower line. But definitely use those beautiful visual styles, and you know, those independent films. If you're doing it independent with you know lesser known talent, look at independent films that do really, really well. Right that maybe have some sort of really good buzz that happened about them. Those are good comparables for sure. You know, I was looking at a friend of mine's pitch deck and she did uh, three comparable films. And then she also uh, noted where they were premiered, uh, the budget of the film, the box office mm-hmm. numbers, the distributor, and then if they were nominated for an Academy Award or a winner of that. Do you want to keep films that are somewhere within the budget of what you're looking for? Yes. As a mock comparison or, or could that throw it off if one of them is like $10,000, no, $10 million versus something that, and you're wanting like a million dollars. So would that be like, whoa, why are you putting a $10 million budget film as a comparable? Yeah, for sure. So um, if you have like a million dollar budget, of course, I think comparable films for me, the comparables have to match that budget in that range. I think that's super important. I don't think you should put a $20 million budgeted film as a comparable to a $500,000 budget film. Right. You know, try to try to find films within your budget, within your genre, you know, and I do think that's really important. Where did they premiere? If they're premiering at like what we call the top tier festivals, those are really good premieres. Yeah. Those are premieres that you want to look at, you know, oh, it premiered at Cannes, it premiered at Sundance, it premiered at South by Southwest, those types of things, you know? And so I think that's really important. I'm glad that you mentioned that is saying like, where did it premiere? Has it been distributed anywhere? 
Who are the distributors? Did it go international? Did it do better international? Did it do better domestically? All those kinds of numbers and statistics, again, statistics are everywhere and you can find this information. Budgets nowadays with streaming are really hard to find. Sometimes, <laughs> like as a comparable, yeah. it's hard to find the budgets for some things. But yeah, that's really important. Stay within your budget means to try to find your comparables. $20,000 film, you know, you pull that off. That's awesome. But if yours is $500,000, try to find something that's around that. Okay. And then what advice could you give our listeners regarding their pitch? Do you have any do's and don'ts when pitching your project? Oh, that's going to be fun. I'm actually attending my first AFM, which is the American film market this year. So I will definitely have some more information about that. I will say when it comes to pitching, know what your film is about. That is the most important thing. Know the ins and outs of your film. Because if you go to pitch a film and you can't answer the questions about it and you don't really know how to answer something, that comes off as if like this person's pitching too soon. They don't know, you know, anything about their film. They're not ready. And sometimes that one opportunity is your only one opportunity. Mm -hmm. Super important. Um, I've actually pitched a short animation. So those pitches went really well, actually. So do's is, like I said, know your project for sure. Know what your intentions are for your project. Intentions are everything. You know, people are going to want to, you know, ask you questions. Are you open for change? Are you open for this? Know whether you are or not. Uh huh. You got to know that you can't be, you know, and also don't be so closed off to ideas and collaboration. If you're not willing to collaborate and you're closed off to ideas and change, that really comes off as like, we can't help this person if they don't want to hear from us. Right. So always be open for feedback. Do have your materials ready. Proofread. Oh my good Lord. Please <laughs> proofread your pitch deck. Um, it's so easy to skip a typo in there or an extra space. Make sure everything looks as it is. Make sure the characters' names all match. Like super important stuff. Like that, like you'd be surprised. Like, Sometimes little things like that really, truly matter. Also, too, I would say a don't is don't just walk up on somebody and try to pitch your film. It comes off a little like cringe I guess, a little bit. Definitely. You know, if someone asks what you're working on, I think that is the perfect opportunity to be on the spot ready. Always be on the spot ready. Yes. You're like, oh, well, I kind of have to. No, we don't kind of have anything you have right. or you don't. But yeah, just don't walk up on somebody and be like, oh, my God, like, Tammy, I love your work. Like, let me tell you about this thing I'm doing. Oh, my gosh. Right. Like, did I ask you? <laughs> like, yeah. You got to be real careful with that. You know, just be genuine and. Make connections. I mean, I think it's like talk to the person about their projects, especially if you know them. And probably if you ask them enough questions in engaging about them, then they may be curious about you. Yes. Yes. Know who you're talking to. Yeah. Know who you're talking to. Definitely do your research. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is really fun. And so, you know, there's opportunity to just send an email. Your email will either go and hit or it won't. You know, send an email, but don't send an email. If they say no unsolicited materials, don't drop your pitch deck. Don't drop your, don't drop your script. Try to make an introduction. Hi, you know, I love your work. You know, would love the opportunity to, you know, 
speak to you all about some projects that we may be working on. You know, hopefully we can connect just something genuine. And you'd be surprised at some of the response that you get, but don't just start sending off your materials unless they're requested. Right. That's a good, good do. Uh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Now, is there a place, should people create a website for their films? I also noticed with film freeway, I mean, geez, you could put a lot of stuff up there and then just send them there instead of doing your own website. What do you think about that? Um, so that's, that's a, that's a really good question. Doing a website, I think it's really nice if you, you know, want to have a landing page for people to be able to further look at your project. If you are doing something with crowdfunding or anything like that, I think it's definitely a good idea to have a website for people to visit, like just a public website mm-hmm. that you could be like, okay, here, come check out the film. This is what we're doing. You can add content, things like that. And people can keep up with your website, add a mailing list. We have a website up for one of our films that's it's there, but we don't promote it because it's mostly just for, you know, producers and talent managements and stuff to look at password protected for the synopsis, things like that. But overall, just general page. So with websites, I think if you can do it and you want to and you have all your elements in order, yeah, put it up you know, and have an update page. If you're not fully there, if you're trying to fund or crowdfund, have an update page where you have some fun things that are a little interactive. People can check in. It makes people feel engaged. Oh, yeah. Well, I was also thinking, how important is it for behind the scenes photography, BTS? Like, should you hire somebody to do video and photos of your film? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm a big BTS lover. Like I love behind the scenes. I will buy a DVD based on their behind the scenes. content. Right. It's so cool to be able to see the inner workings of what is happening. And that is the most engaging part. I think for your audience is being involved in like, how was this made? And like, I mean, how many people sit and watch house of dragon and watch the end to see what was going on in the background, right. you know? That is the most engaging and fun part is like, I watched this thing, but oh my gosh, this is how they made this thing. And then you get to hear from the creators, like having that inner working is super important. So I definitely think you should hire someone. I think a BTS team is really, really beneficial. Someone to do the video work and someone to do the photos. I think that's super important. If you have somebody who can do both, then rock it that way. But even your BTS, if you're going to have really strong BTS with audio, that requires a sound person right. for sure. Like you just really want to capture it because you can do interviews. Gosh, we've done so many. I've been on BTS teams before. Yeah. Like where we have to like really structure. It's like its own little film, essentially. Like you have to structure the questions, do schedules and stuff like that, which is really, really fun. If you have a chance to work behind the scenes and like be on the behind the scenes team, you should definitely do it. Yeah. <laughs> super fun. But I think it's important for sure. What I love about BTS, especially with promoting your film, is that you can be posting that stuff while you're filming and and getting people up to the lead up of the launch of the film, you know, so they can get the excitement. Because I think what happens sometimes is they forget about that, you know, and they only um, think to promote it after the fact instead of during. Yes. Yes. Those live feeds and everything like that, like are super fun and depends on how interactive you want to be, how fun you want to make it. You know what I mean? How spontaneous, like, I definitely think that's a really good point. Like, why not? I think social media and then now with like 
you have TikTok, you have some people doing fun little dance, like Carrie Washington does some fun little dances on set. Like, what is she working on? Those types of things. And you're totally right. Like you're engaging with people. They feel involved from step one to step B. You already are building your following for your film leading up to it. And then bam, when the launch happens, excitement. People want to see you win. You know, they want to see you in the film festivals. They want to see you doing all that, which I think is really cool. Yes, I totally agree. Um, and yeah, and the funny videos that you can do because behind the scenes is behind the scenes when sometimes you're not in emotion of acting. So you can get some crazy stuff. I love that stuff. I love when it's just like, okay, everybody look like crazy, you know, and uh, set up <laughs> or I had this one guy, I was, he was on the set and I said, okay, he was the AD, the first AD. And I was like, okay, act like you're just like, oh my God, this shoot, you know? And it's just like, but this is the fun part. It doesn't have to be serious. Right. Your makeup artist laying on the floor, stretching their back, my back. Right. Like, you want to put my knee on it? Like <laughs> that kind of fun. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So get creative. I mean, because I think with the, the times today is it's all about connecting. It's about connecting with people. It's not about just launching in and saying, oh, look at me, look at me. Here's my film. You should buy it and all this stuff. It's more like you have to engage your audience. And I had somebody else on the podcast that said social media is about being social. And I think sometimes we forget about that part. Yeah, I had to unplug and I kind of like I did a whole revamp of my entire social media. I took off all like my personal stuff and put more towards the line of like my career in filmmaking. I just haven't really posted anything, but I was like, I need to, you know, structure how I'm going to post. And like, I like to be spontaneous because I just like to just post things sometimes just because I just haven't in a while. And I do think you're completely right about that. It's about being social. It's about connecting. And then in an age two, where we are all confined to our homes and zoom all day, like connecting with people, there's a whole nother way of connecting, you know, via video chat and stuff like that. And I think when you're in your home and you're in your element, there's a new comfortability about talking to somebody like I'm speaking with you right now. I'm chilling. Like this is the best thing for me right now. And so, um, you know, if I'm out, I have to get dressed, do my hair, do all this. And then we got to sit and have coffee. I don't want to have coffee. I want to go have a beer. Like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> so, you know, it's all about those types of things. I think you're super right about that. Connecting people, feeling connected to you and feeling like you're not excuse my language, just being fake. You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to talk to no fake ass bitch. That's what I call it. Like, right. Nobody yeah. wants to talk to a person like that. You know, just be honest, be real, be yourself. And you'll see how far that can get you. And like, you know, nerves kick in when you're doing things like I was sweating before this. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, this is so random for me to be on the podcast. Like, <laughs> super cool. But like, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta be cool. Just got to be cool. Got to be chill. Connect with people. Be fun. If you have a project, you want to talk about it on live. Talk about it on live. You might only get two people to watch it. Who cares? You know, speak right. about it. two people is better than no people. That's how I think about it, right. too. And I think that's important for people to realize, too. Don't compare your film and your process to another person's film and process because you are your own person. Your film is its own film. And even though we talked about comparables, but still treat your film in the way that you want it to be treated. And, you know, you could start with two people watching your live to like thousands of people watching your live. You just can't stop. You have to just keep going. And the the important part is consistency and keep on going. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's also that uh, it takes a while to build. Yes. I mean, people can't just come on. Some people maybe can, but most of us have to 
be consistent, due diligence, and just keep putting it out there. And over time, your channel will grow with consistency. And the other thing is, is like, there is so many people that you can make connections with out there, which is so wonderful that like just reaching out to people that you don't know, like that's how I I get people on the podcast is I DM people and it's always a pleasant surprise when they respond and say, yes, I'd love to be on your show, you know, but if you don't ask, you don't know. And there's probably a lot of people out there that would love for you to reach out to them. Yeah. And just say hi, or I love your work or whatever. You know, I'm always nervous. Hint, hint. I am always nervous <laughs> when I'm getting ready to email somebody about something or anything like that. I am a ball of nerves and like I'm a little bit more ease now because I'm just like at this point here, send it off. It's going to go wherever it's going to go. Yeah. They're going to respond or they're not going to respond. If they don't respond, you know what I do? I wait a little bit and I follow up. I follow up. Hey, I wonder if you received my message. I just, you know, want this opportunity to connect, yes. you know, until they tell me, stop freaking emailing me. <laughs> I will follow up. Not like, you know, getting on there. Not a stalker. Anything, but... <laughs> but I'll follow up. No, not at all. Not at all. I'll be like, got me. No. Yeah. But I'll definitely follow up and see, you know, maybe there's a connection. They're like, oh my gosh, this person's been emailing me. You know, this might be somebody who has a hundred emails right. a day. You know, I got lost in the sauce one of those days it's going to right. be seen, you know, until they tell me, okay, we're not interested. Please stop emailing us. Or, you know, we're going to take a pass, you know, no disrespect, whatever. As long as they tell me no, I'll stop. But if they don't tell me no, I will follow up to the wheels fall off. I love that. Um, I am not always the best at following up sometimes because I do, I always veer to, am I bugging this person? But you're right. I mean, it could have gone into junk. Um, maybe this time that you happen to email them, it just popped up while they were on their email. So they saw it right away and then they respond and stuff. So it's giving people the benefit of the doubt. And then also just uh, checking in until you get a response. I like that because I'd rather hear a no than nothing. Yeah. If you hear nothing, if you hear nothing, there's still hope. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I'm going to start doing that from now on. Or if they say, well, I'm busy, I'll go, okay, can I check back in two months? Yeah. Ask them, can you follow up? Can we, you know, can we have another conversation? And this is the most important thing too. If you actually get those meetings and you actually are ready to pitch in like a meeting, like we pitched with Sony, I can't talk about the project, what it was about, but we pitched with Sony and like, you know, we did a follow-up meeting, you know, and you know, they respectfully, you know, pass on the project right now. But I asked, like, can we still have an open line of communication, you know, for the future? And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know what I mean? That's where we come into making those connections. You want to make those connections and maintain those connections and maintain those connections. Mm -hmm. On that note, how often do you reach back out to the person like Sony, you know, or other people, especially if they've passed Like, what's the time to keep that connection going and keep them remembering who you are? Um, It depends, really. I mean, sometimes what you don't want to do, I'll I'll go with what you don't want to do. What you don't want to do is just wait till you have the next project to reach out to them. You know, keep in touch with people, you know, say hello and be like, hope you're doing well. Just wanted to, you know, still say, hey, you know, appreciate the connection and hope things are going well or whatever, you know, wish people well, keep those connections open. And, you know, ask what people are working on or if there's anything you can do to assist or anything like that. You know what I mean? You never know. You might get a 
production assistant opportunity or something on something. But it's nice to also, too, if you're an up and coming producer or an up and coming creative and you meet somebody in your field, you know, ask for advice. Mm -hmm. You never know. You might find a mentor in that. Like, it's just, you know, just having. I would say if you're going to reach out, reach back out to people. One, after you have a meeting with somebody, I would always say reach back out to them to even thank them for the opportunity to connect. Mm -hmm. A follow-up email is always good. I think a follow-up email is very sweet. I think it's very genuine when you thank somebody for taking the time to actually even speak with you. Um, For me, I'm like, who am I? Like, why did you even take this meeting with me. Like, you know, like I really appreciate that. So, you know, I want to send them a thank you for even giving me the opportunity to even sit at the table with them for even a minute, you know, when they have this open door here that they could have closed, you know? Yeah. So I think that's important. And then if you want to follow up, if it, if it dawns on you at some point to be like, oh my God, like, on Tammy's podcast. What am I going to do? You know, like, oh my God, let me just reach out to her and just say hi. Yeah. Just say hi. (laughs) Hey, right. Hope you're good. Random, but good. Well, but I think you have a good point there. When you're thinking about them, you should probably email them. There's a reason you're thinking that, that they popped in your head and just ask them what they're doing. The other thing I, I heard from another person that they said that like if they're if that other person like wins an award or something is doing well for them, reach back out and say, hey, I just heard that you got this award. I wanted to congratulate you. Those are little things that, you know, then you're like, wow, that person I would be thinking, wow, you were thinking about about me and you knew that I won that award. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Be happy for people. Like I love when I hear that people are doing good things. Like, I think that's so inspirational. I think sometimes we tend to be like, why am I not doing this? I'm not doing enough. This person's doing this. That's, that's the mindset that a lot of people have to get out of. Like I said, don't compare yourself to somebody else's journey. Like if my friends are winning or my creative collaborators are winning in life and their careers, then they're winning. And I'm super happy for them. You know what I mean? Like I would want nothing but that best opportunity for anybody that I've worked with. Like seeing people grow, I think is one of the most special things that I'm able to see. I'm a mom, you know, I still have to keep my little job and stuff like that, you know what I mean? And do my stuff on the side. So, you know, when I see people, you know, moving forward and doing things, it just, it's super inspirational. And I think you're, you're definitely right. Reach out and say, you know, congratulations, like happy to see you. Yeah. Like, super cool stuff. And also when you're making those connections to also tell people what you're doing, because I always think it's who knows you. So you never know when somebody's going to be thinking about you for a project, but get as much as you need to be clear on your pitch, be clear on what you do too. Mm -hmm. Because if you're all over the place, well, I could do this, I could do that. Then, then people can't grab onto something. But if you like really love producing, you say, I'm a producer. For sure. You know, and then they know, oh, for sure. Yeah. So what projects are you working on now? Anything you want to share? Fun. Yes, most definitely. Thank you for asking. Of course. So we do have a sports drama. It's called The Ride Home. It's about a high school baseball star who has a mental health breakdown due to like being every step on the field, all the pressures, everything just becomes so overwhelming for him. And it's a real thing with athletes, like just having that undying pressure that just like kind of can push you to the edge. So we really explore the inner workings of that with the ride home. So that one is amazing. And that one's in development. We're in the financing stage of that right now. We have some key attachments um, for that as far as, um, you know, uh, letters of interest go. 
And then um, introducing Cole Deppner, who is, he was in October Faction, stuff like that. So he's going to be a breakout talent. Our director loves working with breakout talent. And that's director Michael Von Hernandez. Super excited about that one. He's wonderful. Oh, he's so great. Oh, I bet. Director Vaughn. Oh, Director <laughs> Vaughn. Yeah, he is wonderful. I love the way his mind works. And then um, Director Vaughn and I are also working on a little something too, a drama thriller. Can't say too much about it, but yeah, we have that coming up. So we'll talk about that a little bit later, you know, and announce some stuff there. Uh, we're doing the packaging for that one. So in packaging, we're looking at key talent. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, p- a pitch deck and we're trying to get some key talent on board. And a couple of, you know, a producer or a one producer that we can bring on board to that one as well. What, what's your role on it then? I'm producing. I'm executive producing. Okay, great. Got it. Yes, yes, yes. I'm executive producing. So uh, trying to bring a A1 producer on that one and attach some key talent. So in the packaging phase, which I love the packaging phase, super hard work, but love it. And then um, I am going to be directing my first short film. Oh, great. Um, Yeah. It's called Skater Girl. And our DP is Rachel Hastings. Love her. Super. Don't you just, I just, I can't without her. Like she's just so amazing. And then um, I don't even know how we connected. She's so wonderful. And so, yeah, she, uh, we're doing that one. And that one is um, after stumbling upon her mother's uh, roller skates, Mm -hmm. she uh, a young girl grieves and finds connectivity through her roots and culture. Wow. See, this through is how to skating. pitch. This is how to pitch kids. <laughs> yeah. So I'm super excited about that. Um, my producer is Kelsey Atkins. She just joined Sister Soul Productions. So she's going to be producing. She's on me about my script. She's like, <laughs> how's the script coming? I need my script. My script is my first draft script is due on <laughs> Halloween. And I'm just like, ah. Yay. So doing all that. And so those are the main ones that we're working on right now. We have a couple others that are like in the works and stuff, but those are the main three that have the primary focus. Oh, that's great. Well, I mean, three's three's a charm, right? <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Any last advice for anybody that's listening that wants to uh, know something about the pitch and pitching their project? Any things you want to leave them with? Um, yeah, I definitely think if you're putting together a package for your film, definitely be strategic and what you're trying to achieve and also create a list of who you want to reach out to be very strategic about your contact list. If you're wanting to, you know, be distributed by a 24 focus on that. Find out who you can contact from that. You know, if you have certain producers in mind, look at those producers, see what kind of work they've done. Is it of like work? Is it somebody who's looking for a project like yours to get out of the element that they're in? Uh, Just be very strategic in your intentions. Be very strategic in your choices. And definitely always, always, always know what your project is about. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is super fun. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to get out there and make a film. Reach out to your local filmmakers group to get involved and connect. Please subscribe to the show if you like it. And follow me on Instagram at Tammy Madero. Until we meet again, what's your story? <laughs>